James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, hear the word of God. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Where is your life for you? What is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. James likes to challenge Christians. He likes to challenge Christians on on whether they're actually living out the Christian faith, whether they're actually living out the gospel uh, that they would say that they uh, affirm and and assent to. James kind of likes to get up in your business uh, shake things up a little bit. He starts asking lots of questions of what's going on in your life. Starts shining, shining the flight, flashlight into the dark places. Open up the closets of life that we kind of like to just leave ignored. And it's like, hey, what's in here? Why does it work this way? What do you, what do, you do this? He, he, he gets in there and he, and he messes with us. He's, he's challenging uh, Christians if we're actually living out the freedom uh, that, that, that Christians have in Jesus. Things that we've seen, that, that freedom that really is there in the gospel to not be uh, stuck in self-reliance and legalism and, and the law and to not be 
stuck in self-absorption, um, living for the moment, just being slaves to our every uh, whim. But, but to actually be freed and empowered by the Spirit, uh, by the Holy Spirit to love, uh, to serve one another, to sacrifice, to be patient, uh, to have real uh, joy and righteousness and peace. That that's where the freedom of the Spirit leads. And James will challenge and say, is that is what, what's coming out of your life? Right? Think, think about Jesus. Um, Jesus, who as God can could do whatever he wanted to do, right? Um, and he wanted to come to a people who rejected him. Uh, I, I don't like to be around people that, that I'm kind of I'm afraid that they don't like me. If I don't know them and know that, like, if I've got reason to think maybe I won't be acceptable to them, I, I tend to, like, move away from those circumstances, Right? Uh, Jesus comes to people who've, who've rejected him, humanity who's rebelled against God. He wants to come uh, to us and not to come down and say, like, here, I am greater than you. He comes down as a human being and not even putting himself on the high places of a throne or rich or whatever. Uh, and he came and lived among us and, and dealt with a whole lot of junk, Right. A whole lot of pain, a whole lot of uh, accusations and misunderstandings, a whole lot of uh, blame and personal attacks and misunderstandings even by his friend, uh, oppression, wrong expectation after wrong expectation after wrong expectation, leading to rejection and and further rejection, Uh, uh, false accusations leading all the way up to, to what? But death by execution. And that by common consent, right? Humanity saying, we don't want him. And Jesus did that because he wanted to. He did that willingly and freely because he wanted to glorify God the Father and make his glory known. He wanted to reconcile humanity to God, to make a way where we can be accepted by God, restored to his love. Was a welcomed into his arms because Jesus covers over our sin. The penalty's been met, and the requirement of what God wants from us has been met in Jesus. So Jesus wanted to suffer all those things in order to do that. That's what he and his freedom um, did, accomplished our redemption, that we can be secure in God's acceptance. We can say it this way, that Jesus used his freedom for humility. Humility like the world had never seen and like we don't have any other example of. But the deepest of love and sacrifice for people who didn't want it and weren't even asking for it. To give them beyond the greatest hope of what they could long for. Jesus suffered in order to do freedom that led to to humility. And that freedom, uh, it comes from the very spirit of Christ that is in God's people now. So James... Gets in our business, opens up the closet, shines the light around and goes, where's your freedom leading you? What's your freedom leading you to say? What's your freedom leading you to do? How's it leading you to act? Because gospel freedom is a freedom for humility. It's a freedom for Christ-likeness and love uh, and humility. What James does is he exposes us. 
But he exposes us in order to urge us to rely on what Christ has done more, to live out of the freedom of the spirit of Christ that he gives uh, to all who call on him. The freedom that's found only in Christ. So look at three different sides of this um, as you kind of just walk through the passage a little bit. And the first is um, freedom for humility. And so not fighting for place, not fighting for position and status uh, and importance uh, with one another. Right? We could say may- maybe we might expect um, that if the spirit of Jesus is who is empowering Christians, uh, and, and leading them, the, the same spirit that led Jesus to such humble, self-sacrificial, uh, giving love, we, we might expect uh, that, that you wouldn't find a lot of quarrels and fights and divisions and problems and conflicts among Christians, unless you've ever known any Christians, right? You're like, oh, wait, that's not what it looks like. Um, Man, the history of the church uh, bears it out, right? Of just so many, not just geographical divisions, uh, but but personal issues that get in the way. Um, Splits, jealousies, taking sides, um, theological division. Uh, But there's there's edges into that. It's not just, well, we haven't figured the same things out. There's like, I like it my way, and you're not not supporting that. Um, There's a lot of love lost sometimes in those theological uh, divisions. Political divisions, uh, racial uh, divisions, um, economic class divisions, and sometimes it's just things of like style and preference. Right? Of like, I want to be able to dress this way. I think people should dress that way. Well, so let's go to different churches, and there should just be... And, and kind of, it's hard to see eye to eye, right? There's so much, so much division. Uh, that's all the way through there. Um, and where, we're fi- where we fight for, for the importance of what we think is, is how it ought to be. Not just out of principle and right, but also out of like, because I feel important if my way is good. And if your way is equally good, I feel less important. Uh, and it goes into so many of our divisions, right? Not to say Christians out there, but... Uh, I've never known uh, a year in campus ministry where roommates and RUF don't end up in some kind of conflict, right? Sometimes it's just light stuff of like dishes or whatever, and then other times it gets into a bigger, blown-out conflict. There's, there's never been a year when there's not some kind of conflict there. Uh, so you're like planning for next year. There's going to be conflicts there. There's never been a year in my marriage to Karen who I love, and as we're trying to live out the gospel where, where we're not like hurting one another. And arguing with one another. And there's conflict. Right? Um, And James isn't saying, pretend like there's not any conflict. Because there shouldn't be. He's assuming it, right? But but he does this. He says, I'm going to ask you a question about that. You know how every year there's these problems? You know how you have issues with... Your, your church and the church that you used to go to and what it went through and with your roommates and the people with NRUF and the people that go to a different campus ministry. And you know, these things just keep coming up. Why, why is that? Why are those conflicts there? Where do they come from? What's behind it? That, right? That's what he goes. What causes quarrels? What causes fights uh, among you? He has the question uh, to it. Um, it's the dishes. Why won't my roommate keep things as clean as I want to keep it clean? Or a different thermostat setting? Or uh, come in too late or get up too early and make a noise? Like, is, 
Is that where the conflict is? Or is there something behind that that leads into the conflict is what James is asking. Where, where do those things uh, come from? Um, and I'll say this too, like maybe, maybe you're quick to jump into conflict and you know it and you can see it. Uh, maybe you're much slower to, to engage in that conflict. Karen's far faster than I am to speak her frustration and verbalize it. And I actually really, really appreciate that in her. Um, and, and for me, I've probably argued, I've had the fight in my head at least a hundred times before I actually ever intentionally express it. Um, so whichever way you're there, like for me, that fight's still going on all the time. Right? I know those conflicts that are there, or someone hasn't even said something to me, but I'm like, but if they did say that, then I would have this come back. And what? It's like, whoa, where, where's, this, where's this coming from? Right? Those things are, are there. They're, they're in deep. And James says, all right, do you notice that? Let's open that closet. Let's look at what's in there. Let's look at how these things got this way. Um, look, look, look at where it comes from. Uh, he says, isn't it this, that your passions are at war within you? Or he answers essentially this way. Isn't it because we love ourselves more than we love anyone else? Isn't that why these arguments happen? Because we love ourselves more than we love uh, anyone else. And, and we want the, the good experiences of the present moment more than we want anything else. So, yeah, maybe it's the dishes, but it's because I want to be able to relax. This is my house, and I want to be able to relax here, and you've got your dishes sitting on the coffee table. And why are you getting in my way of being able to just have a moment of relax? And I've said this to you before, and you haven't done anything, and so now I, it's personal, right? It feels an attack on how this person values you and your importance. And we, we let these things grow like way out of proportion. For me, someone that you know loves you, and you love them, and you value each other. But we, these arguments go, and because what we want is acceptance and approval and value and importance and success and because we want comfort and ease and prosperity and things to go the way that we want now there's this, there's this fight that starts happening well, this fight that starts happening in our head right and it's fire we're firing off come back to it no i wouldn't say it that way how can i how's this going to come out um we want paradise for ourselves now so what we're trying to do is like is get as close as we can for ourselves to paradise now, to have it in the moment, but other people keep getting in the way. That's what James uh, says, right, for how we're looking at it. And so you can start to see how opposite that is uh, from how Jesus lived, how his spirit leads us uh, to live, how opposite it is from the gospel, how opposite it is from the freedom that would leave us, lead us to, in, in love, serve one another. The freedom that makes it possible to love neighbor, to love your neighbor as yourself out of that desire. So he said, don't pretend the conflicts aren't there, but I want you to ask, why is it there? And where's that coming from? And do you see the heart behind it? Because James is saying, yeah, you got, maybe you've got the freedom of the gospel, but I don't think you're living out of it. And I want you to experience it more. And you see that there's ways that you're living for something else. You're living for that self-absorption. You're living for that paradise uh, for yourself now. And other people uh, just getting in the, in the way. Um, we want to be important and accepted and approved. And we want to feel good about ourselves uh, now. Uh, he talks about it as the, the passions at war within you. It's these, these desires that are, uh, that are fighting within you. Uh, the, so the word here is a, is a pleasure, right? It's the same word related to uh, hedonism. 
the things of the moment that feel good right now. Sometimes that's walking into a clean house. Sometimes that's not having to clean anything in your own house, right? Um, sometimes that's, that's uh, being able to watch what you want to watch and ignore people. Sometimes being able to go out. Sometimes not having someone else have the expectations of you. Or it's having other people meet the, the expectations to come with you where you wanted to go and, and be there. Right? All these things, and they just pile in together because we want for ourselves what we want on now. James says, so you murder. And we're like, no, don't. And then you hear, like James, as much as any book in the, in the New Testament, is constantly, uh, you hear the echoes of Jesus' teaching. Here, Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you shall not murder. Yes, but who, if you hate your brother, uh, you've broken that commandment. If you say you fool, um, if you start talking bad about another Christian, because they're getting in the way of the things that you want, or your roommate who you love, but still, this is just a chance to vent. There's gossip and there's bitterness that comes out, out in it. Um, so you murder. Because we want something. We desire it and we can't have what we want. We can't get paradise now. And so something's in our way. Maybe there's something we've got to get rid of. Maybe there's other lines that we can cross. Uh, we covet and we cannot obtain. So we start a war. We start a fight. Bitterness grows. Um, uh, the slander uh, grows. Uh, sometimes the silence grows. Uh, sometimes the words uh, grow. And James exposes us a little bit further. He says you do not have... Because you don't ask. So I talked about God is the uh, every good gift comes from above uh, from, from the Father, right? That God delights to give every good thing to his children. If he hasn't held back his own son for us, there's nothing that he's like, no, I'm not going to give it to you because I don't want good for you. Maybe once you earn it, maybe once you're there, or maybe once you're good enough. That God wants good. He gives himself. He gives his son. He gives the spirit to us. And we're told, ask for the things that we want. Ask God and he delights to give us what's actually good for us. We don't always know what actually is good for us. A lot of times we're looking for things that are just now. And so there's a lot of hard things within that that we learn a lot of good from. But it's painful. It can be very, very difficult. And yet if, we, if there's something that we want, we're told, ask God. He gives good things. And here, in these conflicts and these arguments, he's saying, you're not even asking for what you actually long for. Um, and then he says, you, when you do ask it, the reason you don't get it isn't because God's not good. It isn't because God's not taking care of you. Um, but it's because you ask wrongly just to try to get what you want. Uh, a pastor friend of mine used to say, 90% of our prayers are so that we can need God less. Here's these things that are hard, Lord, take them away. Uh, here's these things that I, that I wish that I had, um, please, please supply that for me, right? Instead of, instead of learning to trust you and lean on you in this, Lord, take all that need for you away so, that, so I can just go about having what I want and the pleasures of the moment. Um, James is pushing us. He's like, he's challenges. Not, not everything is that way, right? But there's the things that are coming out of the passions that are at war within us, the, the desires for just our pleasure of the moment, they're not good for us, which is why God doesn't uh, give it to us. And he exposes that it's not just that we're not living in love of neighbor. We're not living in love for God or, or devotion to him. 
that the, that the gospel surely brings God's people to. Um, uh, but, but he says, as James would put it, adulteresses. I mean, he's just, he's going to like, you're just going to sit there and talk, and he's just going to slap you around. <laughs> Come in a little bit closer, I'm going to slap you around. Like, let, let me ask some questions. Let me see what's going on here. Adulteresses? Um, you cheating, lying, unfaithful bride. This is some of the images of, of God's people and what our tendencies are. Because we're saying, do we love God or do we love something else? Are we God's bride or do we belong to him? Christ who's given everything to make us his own. Do we give our whole self to him? Or do we go, yeah, but it'd be really great. To have something else. It would be really great to have the world now. To have paradise now. For my pleasures just to be stroked. For my ego to be stroked. To feel more important. To feel more uh, successful. Um, to feel more respected. Uh, however, however it may look. Um, just like Paul describes the dichotomy between the flesh and the spirit. That's how James describes it here, right? Do you not know that friendship with the world... Going after those passions of the pleasures of the, of the moment. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? There's not any like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Um, it's, as, we're, as we're hoping in this, we're renouncing God as we do so. Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And James is saying, hey, don't pretend that you don't do this. You do this all the time as you go about desires that aren't from the Spirit. Every time that you go after any of the works of the flesh, any, any, it's just like the, where we think it's the little white lie that makes us look better, or that's the big sin that we think shouldn't happen in our life. Like all those things are just as much parting with the world over God. And James is exposing us and is saying, you're not walking in that freedom of the gospel. You're, you're, you're letting yourself stay stuck uh, in somewhere else. Adulteresses, right? When we're, when we're trying to get ourselves satisfied off of rebellion against God, instead of looking to God for the real satisfaction that he brings, the joy of knowing his love and walking in his ways, we try to get ourselves satisfied off of things that are in rebellion against God. Just how he describes our idolatries, how he uh, describes it. And James calls us uh, adulteresses uh, in, in it. Um, while we are saying that we really love him, but we, we love status. We love for people to like us. We love to feel like we're, like we're worthwhile and we can see it. But we just like clothes or car or video game or position or looks or just ability or respect or, um, or whatever level of success. Gospel freedom is not fighting for place fighting for position, fighting for ourselves and pushing other people out of our way so we can get it. Uh, where does your freedom lead you? Right? Um, not uh, to fighting for, for uh, place and position, but secondly, uh, needing more grace. Uh, verse 6, James says, but he gives more grace. So, so please don't lie to yourself and say, well, I'm not like that. I don't have these fights and conflicts um, because, yeah, we, we do. And secondly, please don't lie to yourself and just say, I'm going to make sure I don't do that anymore. I'm going to make sure I get 
better at that. Because that would be pride. Uh, and that would be self-righteousness. Um, and that would be false confidence and arrogance and the boasting that the passage uh, calls us away from and, and speaks against. Instead, God gives more grace and we're called to see that we need it. Whereas James uh, quotes, along with some other passages in the New Testament from uh, Proverbs 3, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Uh, it leads us to acknowledging weakness, to acknowledging a failure, to acknowledging hurt and difficulty and hardship and following uh, in God's ways and needing him more and needing his help more. Needing his forgiveness more and more than we ever wanted to see that we need it. Needing that grace to cover even the depth of how we see ourselves sinful now and that Christ is enough. And needing more his spirit to lead us in what we thought we would be capable of and now we don't even see ourselves as able to function there. Needing his grace. And that's a good thing. Because as we stand in, in pride, I see what's right. I think I know what scripture says and I know what I'm supposed to do and I don't have it all there, but I'm like, I'm not falling into a lot of things and I think I'm getting it fairly right as that pride and arrogance creeps in and is there in with all of us. Um, like God opposes the proud. It's kind of like a military word that's used for opposition. So it's like if you're, if you're as, we, as pride comes out of us, it's like God lines up in battle on the other side. It's like, I don't think so. I'm not going to let you go there. I'm not going to let that work for you. It's not for your good. And I will stand in your way until you see yourself more truly and more really and your weakness and your lack of hope in yourself that you would call out for me to great, for grace. Because to the humble, to those who are weak and to those who are needy, oh, God aligns himself up on their side as their protector, as their supplier, as the deep lover of their soul who gives all that they need. Uh, to the humble, uh, God shows his favor. Uh, he gives our uh, grace. It leads us relying on God uh, to keep coming to him, asking for his help uh, by his spirit. The passage highlights for us is humility. Right? If you've got freedom to do anything that you want, you can go any direction that you, that you can choose. Like we just pick humility, right? First one, let me go to that low place where you look really weak and everyone goes, can't you do anything? And you're like, I wish I could, but not really. I've just kind of fallen and I see my sin, I see my failure, I see my weakness. Not that I'm worth nothing, but man, I have such a hard time living out the worth of who God made me in his image to be. That I don't even know how to picture it rightly. I don't know how to love God rightly. I don't know how to love the people around me well without competing against them or being jealous with them or scorning and looking down on someone. Here I am. It's, it's all open. Here's my sin. You know, Isaiah before God's presence is holiness and he says, woe is me, Lord. He sees his shame. I'm a man of unclean lips who lives among a people of unclean lips. When we take our freedom, we just don't want to go, hey, if I can choose anything, I want to choose like up, right? Things going well. People looking up to me. There's success. There's respect. There's you know, freedom that leads to humility. 
humility of placing ourselves under God, honestly before God, fallen, weak, incapable apart from his grace, entirely and utterly dependent on him for good, and acknowledging that. Uh, submit yourselves uh, to God. It's a beautiful uh, thing of it, how uh, that he cares for the weak and the lowly. Um, right? This is part of the basic truth that you have to see in coming to the gospel, but it's also the truth as you live out the gospel to continue to come back to. I can bring nothing with me. I cling to Christ and him alone. I need his spirit to be in me and leading me forward. So he takes this uh, humility that, we should, that the gospel should lead us in freedom uh, toward for humility of acknowledging that we need more grace and that we're constantly seeing more how much grace that we need. And he, and he, and he says that comes the aspects of that, right? Resisting the devil um, and drawing near to God. And there's a beauty to this. Instead of this um, self-absorption, paradise now, uh, conflict with others, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Not because you can handle it now, but because you need God's grace and you know those temptations and you know that you want to run all the way there. That when you find yourself alone with a computer or alone with a girl or with a guy, or when you find yourself and it's the weekend, or you find yourself with just that moment to kind of boast about your pride or to show off your theological knowledge or whatever different sense it is, when that temptation comes, we know that we want it. But relying on God's grace, resist, submitting to God, needing his grace, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We're not stuck under it. There's a freedom that God leads you into something else. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God's not keeping himself away from you. I acknowledge that we can't handle it and we can't handle Satan's temptation and that, God, we want you and I need you in my life to help me even right now in this moment. Even as I'm already well along the way toward that temptation and I know how much I would love to continue in it. But Lord, I need your grace. Help me to resist. Lord, come near me. And, and Satan flees and God draws near to us, to his people. There's a beauty of it. Keep breathing if you like. Maybe it doesn't feel so beautiful. Right, this freedom for humility and grace. And he's like, be wretched. James, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. You're like, yes, this is why I don't want to walk in the freedom. If it leads there, that's not what I want. That sounds wretched. That sounds mourning. That sounds like gloom. Is it gloom? And here's part of what James is doing, right? He's, he's calling out again that friendship with the world that says I'm, paradise looks like now. And he's echoing Jesus' teaching that says, blessed are those who mourn. And as you see the Sermon on the Mount version in, in Luke, it's um, woe to those who laugh now. Um, uh, for they shall mourn, but, woe, but blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. <laughs> It's not everything is gloom now in this world. No, God is present. He's with, but, it, but instead of like, I've got to get what I can get out of this moment because this is what I have. And this is what I live for. And this is what empowers me. And this is what feels good. And this is my hope. No, to, to be willing to look at ourselves in the world and brokenness and sin. And if we don't mourn in that, if 
we don't weep at death and at struggle and at injustice uh, around us, then we're not seeing it clearly. And is there hope in that? And is there joy in the middle of that through the gospel? Yes. But James is calling out where our hope is. Because when you're humble, when you're low, it doesn't just feel good. It feels low. It feels gloom. Um, and James calls us to how God meets us there. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he doesn't leave you there. And he doesn't leave you stuck in all that you can obtain by yourself from the freedom of what you can do. Oh, the freedom of the gospel, he doesn't lead you there. He leads you out of it. He exalts you. As Christ is exalted at the right hand of the Father, uh, God promises to exalt his people now to show his love and his favor by his spirit, uh, leading us in his ways, but also reminding us of the promise and the hope that's coming and delivering on that promise. There's freedom uh, for humility that, that calls us to need more grace. Because I don't know how to hope in that moment. I don't know how to hope in that future. I long for that. I hope in that future. But man, I just look, I, I, would, I would love like things easier now. I need more grace. And I need that exposure that says, are you walking in the freedom of where the gospel really leads? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Thirdly, um, needing more grace, but also noticing to make it wrong. Noticing each case, noticing the things of how this works out. Because uh, we can say, yes, I need more grace. Yes, I need more grace. And then we go and we walk in an entirely different way. And so James takes out a bunch of things and, and shows us on that. Uh, we can say we're relying on grace um, and that doesn't lead toward legalism. It doesn't just leave us uh, lazy and complacent either. We need to look and see if we're living out that freedom. Or if we're living out of some other principle uh, entirely. So James takes a couple of common examples um, to show our arrogance. right? Our arrogance instead of humility and just how easily that can come out. And he talks about speaking evil um, and he talks about the plans that we make. Uh, right? So I think of this as like the... Um, Any time that you're talking bad about someone else... Um, Maybe that's lies about them, but maybe it's the true things about them that just really shouldn't be spread where you're spreading them. Um, or some things that you don't know that are there, or just the gossip, or the bitterness being expressed and the edge of a remark. Things are still true. And what he's saying is, listen, if we use words against someone else, um, not for their good and out of truth and value and love, but, but against someone else. So he calls it uh, speaking evil against someone. The law says, love your neighbor as yourself. So if we do that, we're actually uh, denying the law. We're being inconsistent with the very principle that we would say we uphold. Um, we would say we, we should be loving neighbor, but now what we're doing is, is judging that law and saying, actually, that law is wrong because this is what feels right. So go ahead and, and get this bitterness out. To go ahead and make this accusation. Uh, to go ahead and stand here. Uh, and so we judge the law and we're falling out pretty quickly against it. There's only one lawgiver and judge. One who's able to save and who's able to destroy. Uh, it's not our place to take words against um, someone else. We've got to look at the different areas of our life to say, 
how are we, are we living this out actually in humility? Because a lot of our words, James wants to mess around, open those dark places again and say, ah, there's, that's not all there. Or the plans that we make. Um, and man, this is just like, he just draws out the overconfidence of saying, I think I know what's coming and I think I can handle it. Or I can make my plan for where I want my future to go and I can rely on it. I mean, we've got to make plans for the future. We've got to be looking at these things like please have some discipline and some foresight that sets you looking on stuff. But James just wants to call out just how quickly that arrogance shows itself and contradicts humility. And then we're trusting in our foresight. We're trusting in our plan. And we're not saying, if that's what God wants, if that's how he works it out, whether you're saying it or not, we're not walking forward in a dependence needing more grace, going, I know I can't handle it, and I know I don't know what happens, and I'm entirely dependent on God and his favor to me, but that's good for me, and so I'll step forward. We go, I think I can see at least these things, and I think it'll be all right. Or I think maybe I can handle it this way. And just that quickly... We're not walking in the freedom for humility. We're walking in arrogance, undermining that need of grace and denying it. James, just, he's messing with you, and it's good for your soul. Um, and we need to come back to it more and let it shake us up. Not that it would lead us to self-reliance. Um, not that it would lead us to just denying that those things are there. But to see it and go, oh, I'm brought, I'm brought lower than I thought. I need grace. I need the Lord's help. I need him leading. I really need Jesus because I see my sin even in what I thought were my successes. I need Jesus because I see my failures darker than I saw them before. And I see my weakness for how I could even step forward in that. That's what, that's what James is leading you uh, to look, uh, to see it that way. Whoever knows the right thing, so What? Where's your freedom leading you? Is it leading you to humility like Christ and love and service of one another? Glorifying God and in weakness needing him more and more and seeing that to the pain of your soul and to the healing and nourishment of it. Because that's where the spirit is leading you. And even through these challenges is leading uh, his people there more. So would you pray with me and call out to God for more grace?